Twice in his seven letters to seven churches, Jesus talks about people who claim to be Jews but are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. What does he mean by that? And who might these people be contemporarily and prophetically? We will talk about it on this week's episode of Revelation Unveiled at Faith by Reason. Welcome to Faith by Reason. The website behind it all is faithbyreason.net. Hundreds of hours of study material there, including blogs, podcasts, and video. And we are taking an interlude from our current lessons on Revelation, where we have been studying the seven letters to seven churches, in order to talk about this mysterious and provocative group of people who I just mentioned. And because these people are mentioned twice, I think it's very important. Jesus takes the time to mention these Jews who say they are, who people claim to be Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. He mentions them twice. And also the, the, the churches to whom he mentions that they are uh, harassing and persecuting. These are the two churches about which Jesus has nothing negative to say. The churches at Smyrna and the uh, church at, um, at, at uh, Philadelphia. So whoever they are, there are some people we should pay attention to, especially if you consider yourself to be part of the true church of Jesus Christ, the bride of Christ, and the exemplary churches, again, of Smyrna and Philadelphia. If you are part of them, then you want to, again, pay very special attention to who these folks are, because, again, Jesus mentioned them twice, which means they are significant for some reason. And what's interesting is that I, I've been studying Revelation for my entire Christian life. I've always been fascinated by the book of Revelation. And so I've listened literally to hundreds of hours of uh, sermons and read commentaries and books on Revelation and listened to uh, watch videos and uh, gone to seminars, all that kind of stuff. I've done it for a long time, hundreds of hours. And in that time, I have rarely ever seen anyone spend a good amount of time talking about who these people might be. And I understand to a degree why they might not. It's a pretty controversial subject whenever you are dealing with who Jews are or are not. You run you, you run the risk of being anti-Semitic or, or looking anti-Semitic, and no one wants to do that. So I think a lot of uh, Bible teachers and pastors just kind of shy away from it. And, and in general, they just kind of gloss over it. They read these uh, passages about these Jews who are not, people who claim to be Jews and are not, and they just let it go. But we don't do that at faith, at faith by Reason. At Faith by Reason, we dig into the minutia of everything. And since these are the words of our Savior, I think, again, we need to pay very special attention to them. So while I will tread carefully in certain areas, especially when things get speculative and I'm not sure, um, I think it, this deserves us taking a deep dive into it. And that's exactly what we're going to do. So in order to get an idea of who these folks are that Jesus is talking about, we need to really break down that criteria and then examine certain groups who seem to meet that criteria and, and see if they actually do, see if these are actually the people that Jesus is talking about. So th they have four characteristics that Jesus talks about. Jesus is number one, they claim to be Jews. Secondly, they are actually not Jews. They are lying. So they claim to be Jews, number one. Number two, they are actually not really Jews. Um, thirdly, and importantly, they are of the synagogue of Satan, meaning synagogue, meaning that they practice some form of Judaism, but it's of Satan, it's satanic. So they are performing some type of religion that looks outwardly like Judaism, but in truth is actually Satanism or paganism. And finally, they are persecuting the true church of Jesus. And again, those exemplified by the churches of Smyrna and Philadelphia, whom Jesus has nothing negative to say. So these people claim to be Jews. They're not Jews. They're Satanists pretending to be Judaizers, and they have an issue with genuine Christians. 
and they hate them and they actively persecute them. So in my research, I have looked into uh, many groups that seem to fit the criteria and there are like four, well, maybe four and a half slash five, you'll see as we get there, um, groups who seem to fit these criteria to some degree. And I'm going to talk about them. And as and after I do, we're just going to look at the checklist and see if they check all the boxes to be these people that Jesus is uh, warning the church about. And the first group I want to look at is a group called replacement theologists or replacement theology. So who are replacement theologists? What is replacement theology? Well, replacement theology simply means uh, in a nutshell, these are people who believe that the church has replaced the Jews. The church has replaced Israel. The church of Jesus Christ is in the place of traditional Jews. So in God's eyes, the, the people who are ethnic Jews, people who are the uh, physical uh, genetic descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are no longer God's chosen people in his eyes. But the church, the people who are saved, who believe in the death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus Christ for the salvation of their sins, that they have taken the place of Israel and they have inherited all of the promises that uh, God lavished on the the, um, the Israelites, on the, the again, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Now, their rationale for believing this is that when they believe that when the Jewish leadership rejected Jesus as their Messiah and uh, sent him off to be crucified by the Romans, that they essentially forfeited their rights as God's chosen people. When they rejected their Messiah, they, they were no longer chosen by God. They're no longer Israel. And the church who in um, in the Pauline epistles, he talks, he talks about it in uh, Galatians and in Ephesians, that the church has been grafted in to the branch, using a vernacular, uh, of, of Israel. So the church, so they believe that means that the church has replaced Israel and that the church now gets all of those blessings, specifically the blessings of Deuteronomy chapter 28, um, verses one through 14. God promises lavish physical material blessings on the Jews. And they are incredible. You just blessings all over the place. You'll be blessed going in, you'll be blessed going out, you'll be blessed in your work, you'll be blessed in your prosperity, you'll be blessed with your children, you'll be blessed in your household. So you'll basically be blessed materially greatly. And yeah, again, 14, 14 verses of just lavish material prosperity promised to the Jews. And the replacement theologists believe that they are entitled to all those blessings. And, and additionally, they're, they're entitled to the millennial kingdom and ruling and reigning with Christ there. And yeah, so that's that is their rationale. So they believe that they are the Jews. They are the new Israel and genetic Israel is just basically discarded. God no longer considers them his chosen people. But this, unfortunately, is aberrant theology. It is not good theology. It's actually very, very poor doctrine. What's the problem with it? Well, with any poor doctrine, it has two, at least two problems. It's, it's, it's anti-biblical and or illogical. In this case, it's both. First of all, if the church has replaced Israel, then the, you're basically admitting that God is a liar. Why? Because God made a unilateral promise to Abraham. And I talked about this in detail in the um, in, in a podcast I did about the church versus Israel, I will link it in the show notes. Um, you can go in and, and go in depth on it. But it basically says that when God made the promise to, Israel, to, to Abraham, it was unilateral. It was not conditional on what Abraham did or what, on what Abraham's descendants did. It was God making this promise. It was not based on behavior or anything he did. God just made 
the promise. And if he breaks his promise, then he is not God. If he's not God, what are we, what are we doing here? So, he, so God can't break his promises. Number two, you can't be a replacement theologist if you have even the most rudimentary understanding of Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11. Because in those chapters, the apostle Paul hammers away at the idea that God is not done with Israel. Yes, obviously there's judgment involved because they rejected their Messiah and they received much of that judgment in 70 AD when uh, Jerusalem was overthrown and uh, basically destroyed. And But they have been, in, to put it into hockey terms, Israel is in the penalty box now. They are God is not done with them forever. And Paul, again, spends three champ chapters going, just talking and reiterating the fact that God is not done with the Jews. They are in the penalty box now, but they will... But God has not forgotten about them. He, did, he They have not been replaced. The church has not replaced them. And they have a special place in God's plan because it's a unilateral promise. In fact, the entire purpose of the so-called tribulation, which we'll be talking about a few weeks from now, the whole purpose of it is to get Israel to repent. It is called the time of Jacob's trouble. That is actually one of the more accurate descriptions of this seven-year period is called the time of Jacob's trouble, Jacob being Israel, because the point is to drive Israel to the wall and just get them in such a desperate position that they finally realize that they rejected their Messiah and they finally accept him, and that's when Jesus will return. So that's the whole point. So once we get past chapter four of Revelation, you're going to find the book becomes extremely Jewish. In the nomenclature, in the way things are set up, in the way they're talked about. So if, the, if, if God was done with the Jews, why would he make Revelation chapters 5 through the end so extraordinarily Jewish? Because he hasn't. Folks, he has not forgotten about the Jews. He is not. He, God does not break his promises. There is nowhere in the Bible, not a single place, where God says the church replaces Israel. It's not even a concept. So why do people, who believes it and why do they believe it? Well, there is actually a, uh, a lot of people in the church, a lot of church groups who b believe that they replaced Israel. Why? I think, well, a couple of reasons. One is a kind of a, a generational anti-Semitism that has existed since the time of the church fathers all the way up to this day. Some of the church fathers, like like um, Origen and Augustine, while, while great men who did great things, they remained pretty anti-Semitic. They, they blamed the the Jews for killing Jesus, which, well, honestly, if Jesus hadn't died, we wouldn't have salvation. So I don't know why that's such a horrible thing. I mean, if the, Jesus had to die and the fact that it was the the unbelieving Jews and the Romans did it, you know, that was procedural, but it, he had to die. But they held, a, they, they held a grudge against the Jews, which uh, transferred over to the uh, Catholic Church, who you know, had no problems with um, denigrating the Jews. And they did so traditionally. But even when the Protestant Reformation came around and a lot of, of, of the churches, the Catholic Church's errors were corrected, some certain reformers like Martin Luther in particular remained anti-Semitic. They kept that anti-Semitism. They, they kept this anti-Jewish uh, bent to them and it's continued on to this day. So there's the, this thing where, where the church just does not want to see Israel prosper. And it's unfortunate, but it's true and it's there. And of course, there's also a greed factor. Again, these are... These uh, blessings in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 28, 1 through 14 are pretty spectacular. And so who wouldn't want that material prosperity? And so if you denigrate the Jews and you think that you should have their promises, then of course you want all these promises of material prosperity. But what I find very interesting about this is that 
Deuteronomy 28 doesn't just have 14 chapters. It actually has 68 chapters. The first 14 chapters are the promises to Jews based on their obedience. They're not, those promises are not unilateral. They're based on obedience. If the Jews are obedient, God promised them the 14 verses of blessing. However, if they are disobedient, the rest of the chapters, excuse me, the rest of the verses, verses 15 through 68, talk about curses. And obviously there are way, way more curses than there are blessings. They are going to be horribly, materially cursed if they are disobedient. And you will never find a replacement theologist who wants to accept the curses. They will gladly accept all the blessings of the Jews for obedience, but they they just ignore all the curses, which again are, are more than twice, I mean, three times as many curses that there are as there are blessings in verses in, um, in Deuteronomy 28. But the replacement theologists, they only want to focus on the first 14 verses and, and, and ignore the rest. And again, those are performance-based blessings and curses. But the replacement theologists do not look at the performance. They only look, they say, Jesus died for our sins, so we should get all the blessings and we're just going to ignore the curses. Folks, that is not how the Bible works. That is not how God's justice works. First of all, he didn't replace the church with Israel. But even if he did, which he didn't, but if he did, then wouldn't the church also be subject to those same curses as, as they would be the blessings? Yeah, but anyway, that's the reason why it's unbiblical. And the reason it's, it's, it's illogical is why would you want to be Israel, if you could be the church, I've never understood this, and I talk about this in in the uh, the podcast, which I mentioned briefly uh, previously. Why would you want to be Israel if you could be the church? The, the promises of the church are so far superior to the promises of Israel. The church is the bride of Christ. Israel is the friend of the bridegroom. That's what the Bible says. So, who do you think has more lavish blessings, the bride or the friend of the bridegroom? Look, I have I'm married. I have a wife. My wife has way more access to everything I have than my friends. My wife's name is on the deed to our house. My wife's name is, is on our is on our, our car. Uh, pings up to our car. She owns. She co-owns our car. She co-owns, co-owns our our house. She her name is on our bank account. We have a joint bank account. My friends don't have any of that. The best man in my wedding, who I've known twice as long as I've known my wife, he doesn't. His name isn't on any of. Uh, my, my deeds and, and my, my car notes and he doesn't have access to my bank accounts. So why would you want to be Jesus' buddy when you could actually be his bride? So that makes no sense. And, and again, it's unbiblical, it's illogical. So let's look and see if, if they if, if these if they pass the criteria. Are these the people Jesus is talking about? Well, yes, they do claim to be Jews. They claim to be Israel, so they meet that criteria. But they are not Israel, so they meet that criteria. However, they are not the synagogue of Satan. They are Christians. I, they, every replacement theologist I've ever met, they do not deny the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. They believe in it, so they are Christians. They are not practicing Judaism. They are not practicing Satanism, so they don't meet that criteria. And while they may harass people who don't agree with them, they're not persecuting the church. They are the church. So replacement theologists are not who Jesus is talking about. So let's go on to the next group. The next group is kind of a sort of an offshoot of the replacement theologists, but they are way more hardcore. And wow, they're, they're, they're something. These people are something. These people are the folks who call themselves the 10 lost tribes, also known as British Israelism. Wow. These people, again, they are something else. What do they believe? The 10 lost tribe people basically believe that... They actually are genetic Israel, that they are the sons of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who were lost during the time after the 
um, the Israeli civil, the Israelite civil war and the um, conquering by the Assyrians. And, and they went to Europe and they came to America. I, let me back up and, and just give you the whole story. So here's what they believe. So the third king of Israel, Solomon, the son of David, he was the greatest, materially speaking, the greatest king of, uh, of Israel. During his time, Israel prospered greatly. They were the richest nation on earth. Solomon was was a spectacularly wealthy human being. However, he also famously had 700 wives and 300 concubines. He had a ton of different wives that he had political marriages with in order to expand the kingdom of Israel. And these wives turned him his heart away from God and he became pagan and started worshiping pagan gods. Well, after uh, Solomon died, there was a civil war. His the nation was the nation of Israel was split between those who wanted to continue to worship pagans and those who wanted to be faithful, relatively speaking, to Jehovah, the God of Israel. And it turns out that the ten northern tribes wanted to remain pagan. The two southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin, and to a small degree Levi, because the Levites didn't have a own land. Anyway, not important. They stayed eh, faithful to Jehovah for uh, off and on, but the ten northern tribes be, went full pagan. And they had a civil war and they split into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom, again, remained pagan. And God kept warning them that they were going to be judged if they didn't turn from their ways. And God sent many prophets to them. He sent, you know, he sent Jonah. He sent um, Joel. He sent a bunch of different prophets to them to tell them over and over again, if you don't turn from your wicked ways, you will be punished. They didn't listen. God said that it will be punished by another nation. That other nation was Assyria, who was the, the main uh, world empire at the time. And finally, God sent the Assyrians in. The Assyrians conquered the northern kingdom and they took them into captivity. The Assyrians had an interesting practice. What they would do is in order to you know, disperse nationalism, when they invaded another country and took them over, they would roughly take half their population and take them to Assyria, to the physical Assyria. Then they would also take other people from other areas of Assyria and populate their land with it. So half the Jews went to Assyria and then... Um, a bunch of uh, people in the Assyrian Empire were forcibly immigrated into northern Israel and they intermarried. And that's how they uh, kept the, the, how they kept people separate and, how they made, and that's how they made sure that uh, the nations would never rise up against them because they were always separated. And so the replacement, the, I'm sorry, the, the 10 lost tribes people believe that during, because of this assimilation and integration that these 10 tribes basically lost who they are. They, they lost their history. They didn't realize who they were anymore after a few generations of this. And they, and after the Assyrian empire fell, they believed that the, the Jewish people just kind of dispersed, um, throughout the, the rest of the world, mostly with the vast majority of them migrating eventually into Northern Europe, specifically into the British Isles. So there were people in the British Isles who were Jewish and while they were in the British Isles, they somehow magically turned into Caucasians. They became white people somehow through, I don't know, magic. And then these same white Jewish uh, uh, British UK uh, 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 people in the British Isles were became the same people who were the pilgrims who migrated over to America in 1620. And they founded America. And so now white, um, they believe that white Americans are actually the 10 lost tribes. They are Jews and America is the new Israel. 
Yes, that is as stupid as it sounds, but that's what they believe. They believe that Middle Eastern Jews went to went to England, magically became white people, founded America, and yeah, Americans, no, not all Americans, just white Americans, are the the true Israelites. Oh boy. Okay, so why is this bad theology? Well, it's pretty obvious why this is just ridiculous and idiotic, but uh, for the sake of research, I will explain why it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. So they are right about what happened with the Assyrian Empire. They did do that. They they, they took over the Ten Lost Tribes. But the two southern the two southern tribes and the Levites, they were, you know, fairly faithful to God back and forth, but eventually they fell into paganism too, and God promised them the same destruction just a couple hundred years later. They were um, taken over and went into captivity from Babylon, the famous uh, 70-year captivity under Nebuchadnezzar. When this happened, though, Nebuchadnezzar, before he conquered Israel, Nebuchadnezzar conquered the Assyrians. So the Babylonian Empire absorbed the Assyrians, which is where the which is where the, the ten tribes were. So the ten tribes were in Assyria and they were in northern Israel. Nebuchadnezzar took over those. So all those Jews are now... The ten, the ten tribes were now in the Babylonian Empire, and then Babylon took over southern Israel. So basically, all of Israel, all 12 tribes, north and south, were now a part of the Babylonian Empire. So they, were, they weren't separated. They didn't get lost anywhere. All of Israel, all 12 tribes are part of Babylon. The Babylonian Empire was eventually taken over by the Persian Empire. And so now the Persian, so now all 12 were in the Persian Empire. And they were, again, never separated. They didn't get lost. They were all 12 were in the empire. We know this when we look at that. There were actually prophets in both. The prophet Ezekiel was in northern, um, was, was, was with the Assyrian area. That's where Ezekiel was. Daniel obviously was in the southern part in, in Babylon proper. And they were contemporary. Ezekiel and Daniel lived around the same time. And they were both prophesying to, 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 to the Jews. So God did not discard the 10, lost tri- the ten tribes. He had Ezekiel uh, prophesied to them, and he had Daniel prophesied to the to the ones that were in the southern area. So again, all in the same empire. Then the Persian Empire under um, Artaxerxes famously allowed the Jews to go back to Israel and rebuild their temple. The, the decree of Artaxerxes to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Very famous incident, uh, famous, incident, famous um, historic event that is documented in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. Nehemiah, and in that. In that decree, Artaxerxes says that all Jews were allowed to go back to Israel, not just two southern tribes, but all of them, all all 12 tribes, the northern and the southern, because they were all in the same empire at this time. And they all went back. Well, you know, not all of them did. Some of them were still comfortable in in uh, Babylon and in Persia because they basically lived their entire lives there. And they had many, many of them had, by this time had never even been to Israel. So some of them stayed, but many of them returned to Israel. And they were, again, of all the tribes. So all of the tribes were allowed to go back to Israel. So they were not lost. How do I know that? Was was the proof that all 12 tribes were, were around? Because in Acts, the day of Pentecost, it says very clearly in the book of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, that people were there for that, for obviously the, the, uh, the Feast of Pentecost, from all 12 tribes. The Bible says specifically all 12 tribes were there on the day of Pentecost. This is after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. These tribes were never lost. 
Now, of course, at 70 AD, when the Romans came and they sacked Jerusalem and literally, literally wiped Israel off the map, there was a dispersal, dispersal of the Jews, but it wasn't just the 10 tribes that got dispersed. All of Israel got dispersed. And there is no evidence that they primarily went to Europe. And of course, um, you know, I'm not a geneticist, but I'm pretty sure that just traveling to a different land does not change your, your genetics and skin color and turn you into a Caucasian. That's just stupid. So the ten, in, in summary, the 10 tribes were never lost. They knew who they were throughout their history. That's why they were able to, you know, several hundred years later, return to Pentecost uh, um, uh, for, for, the peace, uh, for the Feast of Pentecost after Jesus' resurrection. Again, hundreds of years later, they still knew who they were. They were not lost. They did not just go to Europe. They did not go to England. They did not turn into white people and they did not found America. It is a ridiculous, stupid theory. Yet to this day, you will find people who believe it. They are a small group of people, but they are very vocal. They have tons of websites, which are all poorly designed, I guess, in addition to somehow believing they're Jews. They also never took any web design classes, but they're very angry people who just love telling everyone how, how wrong we all are about who the Jews are and who the Jews aren't. And there is also a pretty blatant anti-Semitism there. They, again, they don't believe that anyone in the Middle East is actually a Jew, that they are the true Jews and that God has blessed them with the same Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14 blessings. And like the replacement theologists, they don't embrace all the curses that were um, expounded upon them. And they just believe, again, that America is Israel, which is just ridiculous and stupid. But <laughs> that's what they believe. So do they meet the criteria? Well, let's look at the check. Let's check. Let's do the checklist. Yes, they do claim to be Jews. They claim to be ethnic Jews. They are absolutely not ethnic Jews. I'm sorry if you are a Caucasian, you are not a Jew. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. But despite their other faults, they claim to be Christians. I don't know if they actually are Christians or not, because I don't, I don't know if they, I, I haven't de delved deep enough to know what they believe, but, I, but they are at least nominally Christian. They are not practicing Judaism, even though they claim to be Jews. They don't actually practice true Judaism. Some of them um, practice uh, worship on the Sabbath. You'll, you'll find uh, Seventh-day Adventists who are part of this group who believe these same things. But they are, But they are at least nominally Christian. They are not full practicing, practicing Jews. They don't sacrifice animals. They don't consider women uh, ceremonial and clean when they're on their menstrual cycle. They they just kind of, they, they embrace the parts of Judaism that they like and they reject the ones they don't like. But they're they are nominally Christians, so they are not practicing satanic paganism under the, under the guise of Judaism. And while, again, they will harass anyone who doesn't believe them, and I've actually gotten harassed by these people myself, I, they're not persecuting the church to in the way that Jesus talks about. So they are not the folks that Jesus is, is mentioned is mentioned in who ha, excuse me who Jesus has mentioned in the letters to Smyrna and Philadelphia. Okay, the third group, and I'm not going to spend much time on them. These are folks who believe that the Jews, the true Jews, the true Hebrew people, are actually African Americans. Yeah, and they are in their own way it's as nutty as the Ten Lost Tribe people. They just happen to be black instead of white. What they believe is that going all the way back to Adam and Eve, they believe that Adam and Eve had to be darker skinned people. Why? Because Adam and Eve fathered all nations, all races, which makes sense. And they also say that since um, people with darker skin, specifically people of African descent, have the ability to um, to sire children of different 
shades and, and uh, of skin color and whatnot, you will find people throughout Africa who have who are very dark skin, some very light skin, and all points in between. You'll even find albinos who have no pigment. They believe that Adam and Eve could not have been Caucasian in their in their genetics because you know basically two white people will not produce any other color other than white genetically. Okay, fine. So they take that down to Noah. And Noah's three sons, which they believe Shem specifically was dark skinned without any proof whatsoever. And, they, and since Shem was the progenitor of the Jews of the Hebrew people, they believe that the Hebrew people were dark skinned or African in looking in their in their genetics. And during and so that's how, what they traditionally look like. And at 70 AD, when uh, Jerusalem was sacked and Israel was destroyed, they believe that the Hebrew people migrated south and uh, west into sub-Saharan Africa, and that these were the folks who were, uh, you know, abducted, essentially kidnapped by European settlers in the Americas, and were brought over, and they became slaves, and that these were the slaves who eventually became people known currently as African Americans, and they justify this by by talking by 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 uh, basically making note or emphasis of the fact that traditionally dark-skinned people have been treated very poorly, especially by lighter-skinned people, which honestly is true. The darker your skin, traditionally the worse you've been treated. And they just say that, you know, this is just Satan hating on the true Jewish people who they believe are, again, of African descent, and that the unnaturally rational hatred that folks around the world seem to have towards darker skinned people is satanic and specifically what's what's happened to African Americans who you know were enslaved for 300 years and you know they, they've experienced hardships throughout the history of this country that this is satanic and it's Satan's hatred of the true Jewish people and they've latched on to that idea uh well I'm not gonna spend much time on this because there's just there's no evidence of it have people of African descent been treated poorly by uh, Northern Europeans and Southern Europeans? Yes, absolutely. There's no doubt about that historically. But that doesn't make them Jews. And while I believe that Satan hates all humanity, and I don't know, maybe he has some special hatred for darker-skinned people, I, I, there, there's just no evidence that there's any Jewishness to it. I think it's just a matter of humanity's inhumanity to other people. It, it, we tend to not like people who don't look like us. I think it's more tribal than it is satanic. It is evil. It, it, it is part of our... Um, propensity as human beings to be comparative thinkers and to be in pride and thinking that people who look like us are great and people who don't look like us are bad. But it, I, I don't know this any, it, that it's any worse for one group of people than another. Everybody tends to hate people who just doesn't who don't look like them. So if you are light skinned you probably don't like dark skinned people. I'm speaking in general. But again, this does not make you Jewish. There's no evidence that Jewish people went um, to Africa. There's no there's just there's no evidence that they were the ones who were taken into captivity and became slaves in the Americas. There just isn't any evidence. So I, I can't, can't, can't go any further than that. Now, there are certain people who are of African descent who do have genetic Jewish backgrounds. These are people who are called Ethiopian Jews. Um, they are the descendants of when the Queen of the South, the Queen of Ethiopia, came to visit Solomon. And you know, we talk, this is mentioned in Kings and Chronicles. She comes and she visits Solomon and they he, he marries her and they have children and those children she, she took those children back down to Ethiopia and they are those are actual they're actually Jewish people. They have the blood of Solomon in them and so they are genetically Jewish people. But 
they don't qualify because again they, they don't claim to be Jews they actually are Jews so they don't they don't qualify on this list and there's actually a rumor uh, that these Ethiopian Jews actually have the lost Ark of the Covenant and that when Jesus returns these Ethiopian Jews will present the Ark to him when he comes back as king but that's an interesting study that maybe we'll talk about down the road a bit so do these folks qualify no they yes they do claim to be Jews there are some small very small number of African Americans who believe this very small they do claim to be Jews they are not Jews there's no evidence that they are but there's also no evidence that they're they don't practice Judaism Every time I've gone to one of their websites and and uh, see what they say about themselves, they're, they're not practicing any form of Judaism, certainly not pra practicing any kind of Satanism, and they're not really persecuting the church, so they don't qualify. And now the final group I'm going to talk about is the most controversial, most incendiary of all for a couple reasons. Uh, number one is if, if what is said about them, their origins and their character, if it's actually true, then this group would meet most, if not all, of the criteria to be the synagogue of Satan. On the other hand, if what's said about them is not true, their origins and their character, then it is highly, highly anti-Semitic. And many of the people who bring accusations against this final group can be called anti-Semitic or have an anti-Jewish uh, bent to them. And the truth is, I'm not entirely sure. I've done my research on this group as much as I can, and I'm still kind of in the middle. So because of that, I'm going to tread very carefully. And since this is going to be an in-depth analysis where, again, I'm going to just be as careful as I can, I'm going to save it for the next episode because we're at the bottom of the hour already. We're already at 33 minutes and I don't want to go too far over. So in the next episode, we're going to wrap up the study on the synagogue of Satan, who these Jews who say they are Jews are not, but of the synagogue of Satan, who they possibly are. Um, we're going to look at a group called the Khazars or the Ashkenazis. And if you've heard those terms before, then you know this, where we're treading in some very uh, treacherous waters. And again, I'm going to try to be as thoughtful as I can, but I want to present the, the research that I've done and you have to make your own decisions. Okay. So uh, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, please subscribe to Faith by Reason here on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. Subscribe and hit the notification button. Also, please subscribe on faithbyreason.net by putting your email in that right navigation area. And I will talk to you again next week when we look at the final group of people who may or may not be the folks Jesus is talking about um, in his uh, seven letters. So I'll talk to you next week.